headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light. I'm Marco Sparks. And this week we're back for episode number 36, talking about Scream 4, the last of the Scream movies, at least for now. Yeah. Directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, uh, apparently with some rewrites on it, though. We can talk about that. Yeah, I read that. Do you read that? Yeah. I read who. I don't know how, like, if they said what, what you read. Yeah, April 15th, 2011. Um, how you feeling, Marco? I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. Feeling a lot better than I felt after Scream 3. I don't know if I'd say a lot better. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, this movie, I, I watched it. I made myself some Top Ramen for dinner, as you do. And then I went to do my notes and I was like, all right, top three moments. And I'm like, what even happened in that movie? Like, it just like left my mind. Like, I, mm. I'm like, what, what did I like about that movie? And it was, it was hard to come up with stuff. I think what's equally as scintillating as your description of the movie mm-hmm. is your description of your lifestyle. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. From bachelor movie dinner habits. Nice. Ah, oh, so this one takes place 10 years after Scream 3. Um, Is this your opening statement? No. Should I do my okay. opening statement? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. We're uh, thinking about getting rid of these, by the way. I don't know. Let us know. Yeah. I mean, I think it only matters when mm-hmm. uh, we have a guest. Uh, <laughs> it's just funny. In the, in all the meta statements in this movie, a character gets to say to one of the originals, you were my 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, which feels right. Um, two things this movie has going for it. No Patrick Dempsey, more Roger Jackson. Um, it's not a perfect movie. I don't know if I would say it's like Scream 2, like level of quality of me. Um, but it's the franchise returning to its like kind of slick, clever humor. There was some some moments that I liked. There was some dialogue I liked. Um, just real quick, I want to say there's a thing that what Kevin Williamson does with each scene, which I think is interesting, is that his opening lines of dialogue basically tell you how the scene will end. Like as he kind of ironically gets there, um, like cops doing a crossword puzzle, looking for a four word letter for strength. And one of them suggests guts. And then we end that scene of a girl getting gutted. Um, it's simple screenwriting, <laughs> but you know, murder scream three, I really enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. Um, to me, this movie it's like reluctantly going to your 10 year high school reunion at the last minute, like before you've really mentally prepared yourself. You know, it's nice to see some old faces was kind of awkward. And you're just hoping to get some free drinks and get out of there without embarrassing yourself. Like, I don't know. To me, this movie just felt like kind of half hearted. Uh, it's like they wanted to be like, Oh, like franchises are hot now. Like reboots and sequels are in. We got to do a scream. Like scream was popular, but they didn't really put enough effort into like mining this nostalgia like mm-hmm. this came out in April, you know, like not even like not even either for Halloween or for like Christmas holiday season like they used to do. It was like they didn't even really try to like own their legacy. Um, I don't know. Fucking millennials. Am I right? I feel mm-hmm. like that that's like the fundamental weirdness of this movie is that it's from the perspective of the the older people. So there's all these teenage shenanigans that it feels like the movie is rolling their eyes at them. So you, the viewer, are too. The two groups definitely don't mesh well at all. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's some good stuff in here, but it's the movie feels like a middle-aged person who like gets winded easier and would really just rather go home and read a book. So like looking in a mirror? 
<laughs> I'm only 36. Uh, all right. All With right, that yeah. passionate endorsement of the film. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's this movie makes you feel your age, at least to me. You know, like it's the nice whole you were my 90s thing. It's nice to know some things can. Um, shall we do top three? Sure. Do you have a four? No. Um, my top four moment would be, uh, just, I want to say like every scene of Alison Brie, but, um, really? <laughs> just because not that her character is particularly great. It's just, it was refreshing to see Alison Brie who, who unlike some of the teenagers actually brings this like crazy amount of energy to her ridiculous role. I um, I, I like Alison Brie, but I didn't really like her character. Okay. No, she has the the eponymous "You Were My '90s" scene. I just, I like that line. All right. Well, my number three is uh, when Jill Jill Roberts, what a dull name for somebody, is setting up her own crime scene at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like that. Just some of the thought put into the various ways she would kind of stage a scene and stab herself and get all messed up and whatnot. I feel like you get a little bit of like that that character perspective from the killer that we always want, you know. That girl is you. Really? Okay, that's a uh, that's a hot take. I uh, hmm. I knew you'd like that scene. I'm surprised it's your number three. Okay. Um, my number three is the I'm in the closet scene. Um. I oh, think the, I didn't say your closet. Well, I think the scene works like like some pre-wrote horror movies should work as their starting point, which is where your audience can guess two seconds before it happens. So there's that kind of conspiratorial glee, like they're in on it. Um, it was it was a nice little fast-paced moment and uh, a kind of a weird pace for this movie because it eventually gets to the barn and then to the after party of the barn thing. Um, so a false ending of all reboots and sequels. Yeah. Yeah. The three endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your uh, number two? My number two. I had to quote here. I'm trying to remember what this is from. Ah, uh, yes. It's the, uh, little Adam Sadler bro with his, uh, like vlogging setup gear or whatnot. When he's talking to uh, Gail Weathers and she tells him to turn it off and he says, I can't, I owe it to my audience. And she's like, turn that fucking thing off. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I just like Gail. Is he the guy from that Canadian sci-fi show you like? Yes, yes. Uh, Continuum. He's Adam Sadler. Okay. I highly recommend everybody watch the first two seasons of that show. Did you ever finish it? No, I never did. There's like five episodes in the last season, and like I watched one of them and just never got back to it. Maybe someday I will. They brought in fucking Ryan Robbins, man. I just I can't with that guy. He's like the new love interest. Mm. There shouldn't mm. even be a love interest on that show. She's married. Mm. Anyway, really, I digress. Really harms your views on marriage, huh? Um, well, no, it's because she's she's from the future. She's married and has a kid, so we don't really need a love interest. You know, it's like you could get away with not having one. She can just, you know, be a woman who doesn't need like a, a boyfriend to protect her. True, but by that point, she'd already had sex with that one dude that I hate from the future gang right had she 
Oh, they like they retcon the shit out of that where the like it like it was implied in the first season, and then in the second season, they're just like, ha, that didn't happen. Mm. Um, my number two is the killer just standing there and watching Anthony Anderson slow death after he stabbed him in the brain. There's like blood in his eyes. Um, Anthony Anderson has great last words. Fuck Bruce Willis. I, I have a different take on that scene, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Okay. Um, my number one, this may be your number one too. Uh, hmm. Just the multiple openings. Lucy Hale, Kristen Bell, Anna Paquin, like they all have been so much more fun to watch for 110 minutes and Emma Roberts. Uh, Stab five had time travel. Yeah. Um, I also like the killer closing the garage door on Amy T garden there, like just to be a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wonder if it should have been somewhat reversed in the order of who was who, like if uh, uh, Suki Stackhouse and Veronica Mars should have been first just because they're like clearly big name actors compared to Lucy Hale and the girl from Degrassi and the other 90210. I felt they worked better second because they seem older, like uh-huh. the kind of people who'd be watching a stab movie. Mm. Like to me, that made more sense. Okay. Um, and then was Amy T. Garden the chick from Under the Dome? Yeah. And Tomorrowland. Oh, no, the Tomorrowland chick. Yeah, Bert Robertson. Yeah. Also the chick from Under the Dome. Um, my number one is actually. said about Under the Dome better. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, my number one is actually your number three. Mm. Yeah, Emma Roberts, uh, spoiler, Emma Roberts is the secret second killer. First uh, killer, uses, really? Yeah, she uses Trevor's nails to scratch her skin, yank out some of her own hair, then stabs herself and like throws herself into things and then plops herself down besides the unconscious Sydney to like perfectly mimic her, <laughs> um, her body language. I was like, wow, it's, it's a beautiful imagery and a kind of feverish reveal. Can we just talk a little about Stab 5 having time travel, though? I think that's genius. I feel like that's our destiny, you know, as, as two guys who his first script was like a screen knockoff mm-hmm. and are obsessed with time travel and murder mysteries like the Stab 5 with time travel is like the script we were born to write. Really, Scream 5, like we, we can do it. We can put time travel in it. Talk to us. Well, it's two things. We could do Scream 5. Mm-hmm. We could also do Scream 5. With time travel, we're not. Picking. I think you have to have time travel, though, don't you? I wonder. The joke has been set up. You got to pay it off. I am a little bit curious, though, about what is the opening to Stab Six, and then what is the opening to Stab Seven? <laughs> like, I kind of want to see that uh, that movie marathon play out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe Stab 5 is just going back and making sure that Scream 3 never happened. Yeah. Well, that's the question. If you did a Scream 5, would you try to work in the original cast or would you go somewhere else? I feel like you're now licensed to have an all-new cast. Maybe to get the scene where like Gail and Dewey walk in and she's just like, Dewey, we're home. Sorry, that was a bad joke. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the the beautiful part about that is you'd have to. What was that show? I think it's The Good Wife, where like the two actors, the two women hated each other. So they were always like green screened in the same scene. So it'd be the same thing with the uh, Arquettes. Well, the tough part with time travel is you would want to time travel back to say, like, you know, the first screen. But how do you do that? Like, you'd have to recast or something like that. That wouldn't be a good setup. So you'd probably want to go with a new cast. 
or at yeah. least like have like one holdover, but it's not about them. Well, because I'm sorry, what are you going to do? Go back in time and save the life of like 45 year old Jamie Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one wants to see how that story ends. Any complaints? Um, well, let me ask you this before we get to that. Mm-hmm. How would you have felt if this had been Scream 3? Um, with the 10-year time gap and whatnot? Mm. Or something. Let's say that's just basically a few years later. And she's I, mean, I, a book. I think you could have done that. It's a few years. And I think that basically was Kevin Williamson's idea where it, it was at a high school game. It was a few years later and like Sydney gets attacked at the in the opening like she's the opening kill Mm. um i i think it would have worked better if you did that because then we can move on and embrace the new characters instead of what you have here where i'm just not sure if we're supposed to care about the teenagers in this movie because it kind of feels like the movie's rolling its eyes at them constantly Mm. like if it'd be it'd be like if if in the force awakens like there was this kind of like editorial attitude of like, God, look at these new assholes. Like, kids are dumb through the whole movie, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, because The Force Awakens is a genius way of merging like an old audience and a new audience. And it's a tricky like, thing to do, yeah. I don't know who, what the new audience of this... Like, because I mean, it's called Scream 4, first of all. But, like, the new audience, if you haven't seen the first three, do you uh, do you get some of those references? Uh, mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, any complaints? Um, I probably have one later on. I can't think of it now. Okay. Um, I thought just kill Jill, just like killing Rory Culkin there at the end was kind of blah. Like, I feel like the original screen was so nuts because Billy and Stewart just like gleefully stabbing each other. And it's all part of their plan. Even if Billy maybe goes a little too far, but we already did scream too. the like one killer just kills the other killer thing because mm-hmm. they care more than the other. Like this was just, it was like you went in the most boring direction possible with the two killer thing where she's just like, oh, now I'm going to kill you. And he's just like, wow, I'm Rory Culkin and I suck. That's a flawless Rory Culkin mm-hmm. Check out there's my far, dumb long hair. I will say there's far too many Culkins. Um, past the the obligatory of macaulay there's like at least two or three others oh there's kieran and there's rory that's right there's a kieran, kieran kieran's the kieran? best hmm. I is mean, there uh, a keegan culkin too no i don't think there's a keegan culkin kieran's if, in um scott pilgrim so i think that that puts him at the top uh, what if keegan allen was actually a culkin um i don't like that you don't no okay keegan's his own man This is true. <laughs> that should be a blurb that you write for review of his new music. Mm-hmm. Um, other niggle complaint. Um, Dewey and Gale and their kind of like marital fighting thing. I just I felt oh, like right. it was supposed to be funnier than it was. Yeah. Like a whole lot of like, yeah, well, shut up. You know, why are you interrupting me at this press conference? Like, I, I just wasn't feeling it. I don't know. Well, like, you're telling me people voted for him as sheriff? Do they? I don't know if they elect sheriffs in Woodsboro, but sure. Don't most sheriffs get elected? I, it really depends on the municipality. I'm not, I'm, some of those things I'm not, I'm not totally clear on. Like, the coroner, like, when I think of coroner from movies, I think of the guy you know, in the morgue 
but I know in a lot of places that's an elected position. Yeah, it all varies from and, you know county to county. And then in some places they are like people who run the inquest. So yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, you just want to get into the movie now? Let's get into it. Uh, so number one, why this movie is so much better than Scream Three. One of the very first things we see is Lucy Hale. So <laughs> I love this movie. Well, tell me this. How great would it have been if they could have gotten either like Troyan or, or Shay or Ashley Benson to play the other one, like her, her sidekick character? Hmm. That would be meta in its own way, I feel like, you know, and like it screams all about anything that can you can call meta. So like is this other girl is just like blah to me. I'm like, you should be trying instead. It'd be more inter- entertaining. Yeah. I mean, the girl from, from Degrassi is, is boring as shit. Um, who would you? Okay. Lady or the Tiger situation, you have three other liars. Which one would you pick? Gun to your head. I think you go with Troyan. Really? Mm-hmm. I feel like Troyan would live. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think you can go with Ashley Benson because she's blonde and we already have like a bunch of other blondes, so you're trying to shake it up. Maybe Shane Mitchell. I don't know. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Aria, Aria does have a lot of scenes with Emily. Or like uh, Janelle Parrish. Mm. You can tell. We just want to talk about PLL. Yeah, I would much rather talk about PLL. Should we do a bros episode soon on that promo? Sure. Hmm. Um, Stay tuned. uh, So, you know, at least, number two, at least they take a shit on the Saw movies, as it should be. Well, yeah, you you definitely get Kevin Williamson just being like, <clears throat> allow me to uh, unload on the horror genre for the past 10 years and how much it sucks now. Yeah. Um, and I also kind of like that they, they do a little lampshading of his own shtick, um, you know, like, cause his stuff is a little dated, you know, his, his fast talking, you know, over the articulate, you know, nineties Dawson's Creek dialogue. There's, there's a little bit of an expiration date on that. And I think they do a good job of parodying themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I really don't have anything else to say. <laughs> the look <laughs> on the look on Lucy Hale's face after she has her throat slit, she slides down like she's just kind of like, <sighs> it's just like whatever. I'm done. <laughs> Cut me my check. Oh, Lucy Hale. I mean, I was watching this, you know, thinking about her in movies, and I was like, more and more, I just could not see her in 50 shades of gray like whatsoever no she has too much like weird goofy personality i don't know how that would fit in with it but she also as goofy as she can come off mm-hmm. she seems too intellectual or too i don't know thoughtful i feel like uh dakota johnson is it johnson mm-hmm. don johnson Miller. Yeah, yeah dakota johnson i feel like uh she plays that kind of flighty innocent mary sue a lot better than i think lucy hale would mm-hmm. you know like the classic like like for xbox and stuff i just i can't see i can't see ari and her eyeballs doing that yeah okay um i could see ian harding as christian gray oh god uh, i don't I can't think of any lines right now to do an but just, voice. but i mean with like his weird pauses and stuff that he does mm-hmm yeah, I can't think of. I don't know lines from Fifty Shades of Grey. My tastes are very singular. Yeah, that's the only one I can remember. Anyway, um, lots of blonde. Now, see, die. see, this is this is my problem. With your voice. It needs mm-hmm. to be 
you need to pick your moments because it needs to be more of the other half of his impression. No, which is it's the, just all the time. It's like he's about my to cry. tastes are uh, very uh, singular. <laughs> the weird thing with this opening is that, like apparently there's like a whole half of the house that's not built yet or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know why exactly. So oh, the Amy T Garden. Stuff? Yeah. This movie only made thirty-eight million. Like that's just sad. Yeah. Like they obviously did not do a good job of uh, kind of getting people hyped for a new screen movie. Like it just came and went like a wet fart. Mm-hmm. Also, what is up with the music after the title card? I don't even remember. You know, it was like some weird bouncy dancing music. It's just it's bizarre. Not to mention the title card now has like ghost face behind it. Like it's dumb. You know what? Nobody has a fucking Creed poster on their wall. So. Oh, did you happen to see the poster that's on Jill Roberts wall? It's for some horror movie, right? That's for the Joshua tree. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. That didn't happen. Yeah, I had that in my notes. Yeah. It's kind of why (laughs) I teenage girl in 2011 is like, yeah, you too. That's why I like the paradox of Jill Roberts. No, um, I really remember, dug him after I got a free album on my iPhone. Do you not remember what Maggie Grace and her friend are off to do in Taken? Go to the U2 concert, yeah. They're going to follow U2 in the European it, That was very suspect, and that was in like 2008 or something, right? Like That was a while ago, and even then, that was suspect. Uh. <laughs> follow U2. Yeah. As you do. I wonder if like Suki Stackhouse was like upset that she didn't get the stab Veronica Mars too. <laughs> well, um, you know, there is a weird way they introduce characters where like we're we meet what's her face, Kirby here, Hayden Panettiere. We meet her first. And then we like only realize later that like she's the sidekick. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's there's like a weird perspective situation where it's like who who are you supposed to be following? Like it was very clear that Sydney was the lead character in Scream. It's mm-hmm. not clear who the lead character of the teenagers is here. Yeah, because Kirby is so much more. I mean, I don't love her character, but she's so much more dynamic than Jill. Her character bothers me. She doesn't seem real. She seems like she seems like somebody's idea of like the super cool high school girl. You know, like like if Randy like created his own high school girl who's going to be super cool and like be into horror movies and be Kirby here. I mean, she seems like the eighties horror movie, like female sidekick, but I mean, compared to like stereotypical wet noodle, Joel Roberts, Mm -hmm. Um, which I, the only thing I found clever was casting Julie Roberts niece. Was that, was that really clever or is that nepotism? Well, that's Hollywood for you. I I feel like uh, Emma Roberts like has turned this role into her entire career. I, I don't, she does nothing for me. I also don't like the name Jill. It's too close to Gail. Like way too close. Um, I don't know, Jill's Jill's the blah name. Gotta gotta go somewhere else with that. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's one Jill in the audience who's really upset now. Yeah. Are we still doing recaps of the scenes? Uh. Well, I mean, you know, let me know where you are if you're gonna wander around a bit. Um. But I don't have a lot of notes. This one I don't too. have a ton. I mean, I don't even know if it's worth trying to recap. There's a lot of different stuff going on here. All you really <laughs> need to know is that uh, Sid's back in town for book signing. And then, oh no, some new teenagers have been killed. And we kind of have this 
multiple stories. We had the Sid and Gale and Dewey stuff happening. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, Sydney has this like niece who she's never really talked to before, Jill Roberts and, and all her friends. And her friends get most of the, the killing happening on their side because they're expendable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dewey oh, and, and Allison has, Bree is around. Dewey has a Beverly Hills cop ringtone. And uh, Jill used to date Trevor, who just seems like a high maintenance asshole. Trevor. Fucking Trevor. Uh, oh, and, and then Dewey has uh, Marley Shelton as the, like his like deputy who's like just into him like insanely so like just wants uh-huh. to jump in bed with him immediately mm-hmm. for no reason that i could really discern movie wise like i don't know why that plot line is there didn't you have some kind of like tenuous connection to somebody who knew marley shelton maybe your sister maybe yeah i can't some, it rings a bell yeah mm. Yeah, for for a small town police deputy, she is blasting lemon square flavored fuck me eyes at uh, Dewey. Well, and there's there's a lot of extraneous characters in this. Um, I mean, there's not just it's not just like he has this one deputy. There's also two other cop characters in it as well. Spoiler <laughs> alert: they both die. <laughs> Spoiler alert: they all die. But like, really, like not just one cop. You have four cops in this movie. You know. That body count. You have uh, the publicist who is really just doing like Mrs. Loomis, like as as Debbie Salt for some reason. Like I don't really understand Allison Bree's character when she like gets all up in like Gail's face and whatnot. Like, what was the purpose of that? I don't know. Trying to make some money off that uh, commission, I guess. Um, yeah. So Gail is not super satisfied being like the suburban housewife of the sheriff so she's trying to reinvent herself as a fiction writer and that should be funny but she would totally have a ghostwriter, right yeah and also like it's been 10 years like what have you been doing this whole time like yeah. she's just like chapter one it's like no but seriously what have you been doing for the last 10 years you can't have chapter one writer's block for 10 years like at a certain point you're just not a writer Uh, like for like 10 years, she's just been sitting there at the same <laughs> blinking cursor work document. <laughs> I mean, like, gosh, I really don't like small town life. Like, I don't know. It seems a little weird. Um, that's it's just why a lot of this feels like it would be make more sense if this was screen three and it was like two or three years later, you know? Yeah. Also, they filmed this in Michigan for some reason. I mean, they got like a tax credit or something. Oh, it must be. That's too bad. Like, I feel like. Wes Craven fought so hard to film in Northern California for the first movie. And then here they are four movies later and they're so half hearted. Like they don't even have a real budget so they can't film where they should. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some, you know, not many, but there's a few nice vistas that are definitely California in the first mm-hmm. one, like especially around Sydney's house. Uh, um, and then we eventually meet the Culkin brother, lame, and the asshole from the show you like, who's streaming his high school experience as a TV show or an online TV what show. What's it called? Hall Pass. Hall Pass. That must suck so much. Um, yeah, these two guys. It's like Tech Bro and like his weird friend who's like into horror movies, and he has really long hair and he sucks. And there's like this subplot about how the Kirby character is kind of into Charlie, the Rory Culkin character. 
and he's into her, but he doesn't know how to make a move. And it's just so half-assed through the whole movie. Well, it's like she's apparently we're led to believe she's enjoying leading him on, but who cares? Oh, yeah, because it's like what I don't know whose perspective I'm supposed to take here. They don't really do much with it. I don't know. I don't know. It's just dumb. Yeah. Like you're not like rooting for one of them. It's not like one of them is unaware that the other exists or something like that. You know, like there's no real dramatic tension. I like that the town is so fucking small enough and like folksy enough that like Dewey knows all these kids. <laughs> like like this is fucking like Forks, Washington or something. Um, oh my God, how great it'd be if Anna Kendrick walked in right now. Um, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, so we meet eventually the infamous Trevor who's like the uh, Billy Loomis 2.0. Apparently Emma Roberts, we find out, gave him everything everything hashtag everything and he dumped her for someone else which is you know rough mm, high school everything and he like growls at the uh adam sadler video blogger guy and he runs away scared <laughs> i the batteries on that thing in 2011 would last like 30 seconds <laughs> like the, what is he using like is he on wi-fi like Using his like crappy like three G cellular phone connection to upload that. Is anybody watching this? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Would you really watch that? That's questionable. And then we go to uh, Gail. Gail like wants to get back in the action, and Dewey won't tell her anything. So she goes. All right, no, we don't. We don't know about the killings yet. But she goes to uh, the book signing because she saw Sid on TV, and Sid's like giving a little speech to a bunch of old ladies. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously. Um. It's just weird seeing everybody again old. Yeah, yeah. Gail shows up at Sydney's offer that like that scene where Ethan Hawke and Julie Depp like, meet and before mm-hmm. sunrise. Yeah. Before, before sunset. Um let's be real, out of darkness, Sydney's book is probably awful, right? You know what I'd rather read than that is mm-hmm. the Tobias Funke book, The Man Inside Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Dewey shows up because they've he already knew that there was like murder. You know, he got called away to some serious shit. Now he's coming back because they've traced the phone here. Mm-hmm. And he's, they're like, let's call the phone. Like they've all got like got their guns out and shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're tooled up, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we see that Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson are in this movie as cops. Yeah. So they, they dial the, the, the phone that's missing from the crime scene and, Trace it to the trunk of Sydney's rental car. And inside it's like a bunch of bloody posters of uh, her, her book cover mm-hmm. with blood all over it. And I think maybe there might be a knife in there or something. Or I know the phone's there. I'm not sure if there's a, yeah, there is a knife there too. Well, LOL is like Gail's trying to get a good look and like mm-hmm. Marley Shelton's trying to box her out to the point where I thought they were going to kiss. Um, and I laughed because you can hear Anthony Anderson say in the background, cover up your kid's eyes. <laughs> Did you know that all the uh, the knives in this movie and the kind of stabbing scenes are CGI? CGI, yeah. Um, that seems rather, to me. Rather than retractable knives, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the kids, they find out why they're in class. Um, the teacher is upset when the kids whip out their cell phones and shit. 
So I'm not sure why he allows the dude with the camera headset to keep that on. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, and like they, they don't even have it on vibrate. Like suddenly like a bunch of phones start ringing and he's just like, hey, guys, I thought uh, we told you to turn those off in class. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Gail, eventually go back to the police station. Gail has her fight with Dewey. Um, I, I was like, there's clearly like detectives in that squad room. Like, how come none of them have caught this case? That is a good question. Yeah, how come the sheriff is the one handling it? And there's, there's, why do we have two other beat cop characters and not a detective character? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get okay. It's personal to Dewey. He's had experience, but still, mm-hmm. wouldn't a detective be involved? Um, plus, you would think by this point, Gail Weathers would accidentally be the Jessica Fletcher of this town. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, there's a lot of blah blah blah. We eventually have the Sid shows up at the police station. They meet with the three young teenage girl characters who are kind of the lead characters half the mm-hmm. time. Um, <laughs> and there's like there's this whole thing they try to establish of like like oh your 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 aunt Sydney's like a, what do they call her a, a angel of death or something. Mm-hmm. Everywhere she goes, people die, and like they like hold this against Sydney for some reason. Yeah. 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 They keep calling her the angel of death. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Yeah. There's that you're my 90 scene with Alison Brie and Courtney Cox here where I just, I don't understand what Alison Brie's motivation is in this scene. Like just, I don't know, but like I wanted something eventually where Sydney has to deal with the little whippersnapper is, and I wanted it to be like their version of that thing from Mad Men where like after the, the barn rave or whatever she's just like no you can't go out there <laughs> no you can't go out there yeah Allison Brie will be gone pretty soon unfortunately um we see that uh President Roslyn from Battlestar Galactica is mm-hmm. the aunt of Sydney right Maureen Prescott's sister yeah Jill's mother mm-hmm. who like I you know I forgot to look up the ages here like how old was she when she had Jill, you know, like Jill's yeah. like 16 or something. Yeah. Well, and where's Mr. Jill's dad? <laughs> uh, yeah. Passed away or something. Who knows? Yeah. Mary uh, McDonald. She's yeah, 64 now. So she would have been, I don't know, 59 ish. Right. Okay. Okay. Minus 16 is. So 43. 44. Okay. 43, 44 having kids. Sure. Hmm. I mean, we can think of some scenarios there. They're all fun. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe it's a sequel to Sneakers. And it's actually Robert Redford's kid. All these years later. Too many secrets. This <laughs> Trevor guy, like, I feel like they should have got Noel Khan to play him. Because this guy's just a nothing. This guy is really. I think they want us to think he might be menacing and maybe he's the killer, but no. Still, any guy who breaks into your room, especially at least at least Sydney and Billy were dating. Not that that makes it. Yeah, but these two are broken up because he cheated on her. But he like he wants her back, and he's just like, "I told you I loved you," or blah blah blah, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh." And she's like, how'd you get into this place? The cops are watching it. And he's like, I'm a ninja. Yeah. 
which I think that really just shows us that the cops are terrible. Like if they, they don't notice this guy coming or going from this place. Like what, what use are those cops really? Well, they, there's a lot of screw ups in the police force here, <laughs> but yeah, millennial old Billy Loomis doesn't get that. She gave him everything. Mm-hmm. He, he turned her down. Also he meets Sydney and says comically, you're smaller in person. What the? F- yeah, I don't know. Oh, and then she's like, oh, this reminds me of me and Billy. Like, you're so much like me, my niece that I never talked to. Yeah, or rarely ever spoken to or mm-hmm. thought of or existed before this. Whereas back then, it was mostly just PG-13 finger blasting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she's Not hashtag the- everything, yeah. Not everything. Uh, she steps out in the hallway, and there's Deputy Judy in the dark in the hallway. Um, Standing in the dark like a creep, yeah. What I mean, was this supposed to be like, ooh, maybe she's the killer? I think a little bit. There's no other reason for her to be all weird and standing in the dark and to take forever to walk into the light as there's like a whoosh on the score that she does, you know? I mean, Marley Shelton has that thing that like Lucy Hill has where she's pretty much all eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Um, And she seems she seems almost like Stepford. A little. Yeah. Um, So. I don't a lot know. of energy. I I found her more interesting than a lot of the teenagers, and her super tiny role, ill-defined role. Um, but she was she went to high school with Sydney. We find out they were in drama together. She was a lost boy in Peter Pan. Well, she's like, you don't remember me, and Sydney's like, no. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, yeah. One thing with this like darkness here was it me or was this movie shot a lot darker than the other mm-hmm. screen movies? Oh, I wanted to ask you what you thought of the like aesthetic of the movie, like the look of it. Not a huge fan. It's definitely different than the previous three. The the 90s screams, the way they're lit, it's like obviously this isn't how like nighttime really looks, but this is how nighttime and like horror movies look, where you can see enough. You know, like I feel like they're like, ooh, look how low we can like stop the camera on this and everything will be like super dark and have all these like rich blacks and everything. But I'm like no, show me stuff, you know, like, I don't know. This is like a modern trend, you know, it's like all the Game of Thrones episodes are like super fucking dark now. It's like, you know what? Pump up the lighting a little. Mm-hmm. And the jams. Yeah. Stop being so fucking artistic. Let me see what's happening. But yeah, for, for a moment after uh, Deputy Judy went her way, um, I was like, ooh, what if they dropped a new class angle when this just became young adult with Charlie's Theron, but with slashers? <laughs> Over, like, rep- sorry. Like if, uh, if Marley Shelton was just like, you don't need to change anything about yourself. <laughs> yeah. And then she fucks Patton Oswalt. <laughs> so well, we I mean, fu- Patton Oswalt instead of Adam Brody, Brody in this movie? I loved it. I guess, yeah. Yeah, we meet Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson as like just the two dumb cops like assigned to watch the houses and they're uh, doing their crossword and they notice that like one of the other like teenage friends pulls up next door and I think Adam, I can't remember which one of them is just like basically like, yeah, I do her, you know, uh, Anthony Anderson is Was it Anthony Anderson? super gross. He's just like, yeah, I totally would fuck that 16 year old girl. <laughs> you know, swing like that in my backyard. Yeah. Then we get our, you know, it's been a while since we killed someone. So we get our next elaborate death scene. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of killings in this movie, but mm-hmm. like these scenes between them are like so forgettable. Like they're just not doing the character work they need to do. 
Um, but this so, one's pretty elaborate because, first of all, they're watching Shaun of the Dead, which feels wrong to me. Yeah. It, it should be a slasher movie, right? Yeah, it should be. Or, or as a comment, like a further comment on this empty, vacuous generation, like one of those, like, like a Saw movie, you know? Shaun of the Dead is like the last movie they should be watching for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, do, it well, doesn't I mean, work on any level. <laughs> it's it's not a good sign, I think, when you remember the kill better than you remember the character they killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because they, they have to do this whole setup where it's uh, Jill and Kirby here. And it's like uh, Kirby gets the phone call from the friend who's about to die. But then Jill gets the phone call from, you know, quote unquote, Trevor. Um, and so it's like one of them's on speaker. So like all these three characters who are on two different phone calls can all hear each other. And the, the one chick can like walk around in a bra for no reason at all. And then finally, like, you know, it's like the killer's like, I'm in the closet. And then like, bum, bum, bum. I didn't say which closet. Because mm-hmm. he's actually not in the room with Kirby and Jill. He's across the street. Which uh, in, in the other you can guess room. five seconds earlier because you can see through the window across the the way into the other girl's you know bedroom window watching all this see i guessed immediately because when he says the closet instead of your closet like i don't know something in my mind i was like oh i see where they're going like why else would we be cross-cutting to the friend this whole time you know yeah yeah i did like the uh like the call on trevor's phone and they're just like, God, what the fuck, Trevor? Like, why are you so creepy? And he's just like, I'm not Trevor. And like, they keep calling him Trevor anyway. And he's like, I fucking told you, I'm not Trevor. God damn it. Well, <laughs> I'm just so goddamn thankful, though, that it was Roger L. Jackson again and like not the stupid fake voices or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the stupid voice changer thing. Yeah, I did like that. I liked his, I think his best work is probably still in the opening in this as far as this movie goes. Um, Mm. just the him like commenting on how like he's the director and you know so-and-so's part got cut way down <laughs> but yeah this scene he's just like i told you i'm not trevor god damn it how many times do i have to fucking tell you yeah so, so this friend gets murdered <laughs> yeah the friend gets murdered they run over there Cindy runs over there discovers that a killer attacks her i mean it's like it's interesting because so far it's kind of following the general formula of these movies. Um, but it kind of keeps going. The scene keeps like propelling forward. Uh, Jill yeah. gets slashed. Well, cause Sid runs over there. She, she hears the girl screaming and you know, like they see the killers like displaying the body of their friend through the window. And so Sydney just runs over there and surprised she doesn't have a gun. Like she didn't scream three, but not here. Yeah. Yeah. I had that in my notes. Like why doesn't she have a gun since that wasn't, yeah. Big thing for her in the third Because she one. charges over there like, God damn it, you know, fuck this. You know, we're not doing this again. So she charges right over there. Eventually, the killer pops out and attacks her in the other house. And then Jill shows up and she gets, like, cut on the arm and the killer vanishes somehow. Mm-hmm. I try to um, remember, does Sid get injured at all? Maybe she just, like, bumps her head or something. Not not much yeah. yet. Jill gets all pissy. This is all your fault. Um, Sydney goes outside. There's a group of people watching. And we hear like the the rabble rousers like this is all your fault, Sydney. And and one of them's like you're just like your mother. Well, and then and then Jill is like after she gets cut, she's like, oh my god, get away from me or whatever, you know, like you're horrible. You've brought death to my house. Shut up, Jill. Yeah. You know, I didn't even notice it when you see their friend 
like when Sydney finds her in like the little bloody room, her guts That's, are hanging out. Yep. But it's yep. like it's blinking, you'll miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's definitely not the sort of gore that you got in like Scream One, for instance, you know. Well, really, it was just the one scene with Drew Barrymore, right? Well, this just looks like a girl lying on a bed and somebody put some guts next to her. It doesn't look like like it doesn't really look like they're falling out of her. Like they're just next to her. Yeah. It's not it doesn't have that sort of body horror grotesque of like seeing somebody's insides like spewing out. Somebody's insides on the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um next thing I have in my notes is Gail hitting up the two nerds to team up. Yeah, which is kind of sad, Gail, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's a it's a new low. She's like, I can't get my husband to tell me what's going on in the case. I'll just go talk to the local high school nerds. Yeah. Oh, I did like the bit where the cops all show up after the attacks that night and uh what's his face? Uh Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody here. They're just like, oh, God, we, we saw somebody and then we went around the corner and then we just ran into each other. And Dewey's just like, ah, okay, try better next time, guys. And guess Even what? Someone's dead now. He will put them on the protection detail the next night. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really feel all that bad about it, too. Yeah. It's just like, oh, man, what a boner. Why does this keep happening to us? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, eventually we end up at Cinema Club. Well, no, there's there's the hospital scene where uh, Allison Breeze like, oh my god, I got you like a four book deal now. Just you know, name your price, sign sign this, and then Sydney just fires her because she's like, you seriously never read my book. Like, obviously, I'm not into more of this, you know. And then there's like a long drawn out parking garage like spooky scene where Allison Breeze alone in the parking garage wandering around. Eventually gets in her car while she's on the phone with the killer. And then, like, the killer jumps down on top of her car because it won't start because he's, like, pulled out the ignition or something. Mm. And I feel like this just goes on for a long time. Eventually, she tries to run back to the entrance and just gets stabbed in the gut, like, right when she gets there. Then Dewey has a press conference, um, which Gail all but, like, wipes his chin, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever, tucks his shirt in for him. Basically, totally emasculates him during it because he's not, he's like a kind of a joke book of a sheriff. Mm-hmm. And then it's interrupted by the killer throwing Allison Bree's body from the top of the parking structure onto like the local news van. I like that, but I feel like they messed up the execution a little because people start screaming and then they look up and see the body falling. Like, I feel like it would have been better if suddenly the body just fucking landed. You know, well, it should have been like right behind him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, one take. Like David Arquette giving yeah. this speech, and then you just see this thing fall behind him. Yeah, there shouldn't be a reaction until it happens. Like, what? Why was everybody suddenly like looking up? You know, at the top of the building instead of at oh, Dewey like, at that moment. His ghost face standing there, just like waving his arms until somebody sees. Yeah. Like, hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> R.I.P. Allison Brie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Cinema Club. God, what a douchey name! Like, we can't just call it Film Club. Where they talk about the new dumbass rules of all this, where you're either making a shriekwool or a screamake. Oh, that's so dumb. Well, I don't know. It's Cinema Club, but they're only into horror movies, I guess. Not really Cinema Club. Yeah. Rory I mean, Culkin's than, like wandering around lecturing because he's like an expert on horror movies or something. 
other than referencing like Peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and like somehow, somehow they're all like horror movie aficionados, like for realsies, like Herbie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 I like, figured he would have liked that. But I feel like I'm not a super huge fan of the Kirby character, but like he's just like, oh shit, Kirby, like you got Suspiria on DVD. Oh fuck, boner. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just like, yeah, I played the cheerleader on Heroes. Um, I guess Nashville too. There's anyway. like this really half-hearted. Like you, you can survive if you're gay in horror movies now. Joke, which I feel like they like the delivery is off. Like everything about it's just kind of dumb. They're like, uh, maybe you could live if you're gay. I don't know. Which like these guys have apparently never heard of the barrier gays trope. Yeah, but also just there's no way that line's not offensive in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it just it feels like they're just desperate for a new rule. You know, yeah. they're like, oh, we got to have new rules. Screen movies have rules about horror movies, right? We need something. And it's like, yeah, try harder. These assholes don't know shit about the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so then uh, they start hyping the uh, the Stabathon is coming up. Well, there there's a whole thing where it's like, oh, if, he's, uh, if the killer's following the original, you know, killings way back when, then the next thing would be like a party. You know, they're like, ooh, we're, we're deducing some shit now. And like Sydney's like, oh, are there any uh, parties happening anytime soon? And he's like, uh, well, I guess there's a stabathon that like 200 people are going to attend at a barn. Yeah, that just, I guess I'm thinking about that now that you asked me. Like, <laughs> it's so like, like tossed off. Like, of course you'd be thinking about the stabathon. It's this massive party you're throwing later on that night. Yeah, yeah, that you're handling the logistics for. <laughs> It's apparently top secret. He's just like shrug, like, oh, I guess there's a stabathon. I don't know. Never really considered that before. We're not the only party on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't I won't tell you where it is. I'll just tell you the password is Fidelio. Um which what? yeah, Sabathon, spoiler, will take place in the same place as PLL's hoedown. <laughs> what did you think of this bit where the the dude who's like vlogging is like walking around filming this like cinema club discussion. And mm-hmm. then Hayden Panettiere like holds up her phone to show Sydney that it's live streaming. I feel like it was just to remind you that later on this will be a thing with like different footage and angles and what have you. Well, it makes me think that this is another missed opportunity. Like, they, they haven't really picked a main character of the teenagers yet. Like it probably, according to the script, it should be Jill, mm-hmm. you know, because Jill's the niece, whatever. But they seem more interested in Kirby. Yeah. And Kirby's like kind of like forming this connection with Sydney here, kind of like showing her like how it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, it just never really goes anywhere. I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like on the set, they clearly liked Hayden Penetera more. Um. Yeah, I can't remember how long before we actually get to the uh, stabathon. Um, we get like a scene where Jill has to apologize to Sydney for like calling her the angel of death and whatnot, and it's all just like, oh, it was really hard, you know, like growing up in your shadow or something. Did you though? Yeah, I know. There's there's some kind of heart to heart, and then I don't know. Does anything happen here? It's. I think it's just like you get the impression that Jill, she's on the phone with Kirby at this massive stabathon party, and it's like, yeah, she's probably going to go there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Wouldn't it have made a lot more sense if this Kirby character was like kind of like a goth girl? Or like not like the blonde bronzed one of the group? Well, Jill's comparatively goth. <laughs> yeah, to like me, she's it, apple pie goth compared to Kirby. Because Kirby is supposed to be like she's the film nerd girl. She's into horror movies. Or I feel like she's the she's like the conundrum. Like she's all the clicks in one or something. Yeah. Except just, except for the white Rastafarians. Well, it's it's as though they're like, oh, she's kind of like an alt chick, and so they're like, oh, we'll just give Hayden Pantiera a short haircut and have her wear a corset, and it's like that's not exactly the same thing. You know. Which is funny because like the scream, you know, only the first one is really like a like a teen movie mm-hmm. and, and only kind of that. Like never they never do the like let's walk to the cafeteria yeah, and yeah. by the clicks real quick. And there's the obvious body count click over there. <laughs> <laughs> um so we get mentioned that the Stabathon, which is in a barn, there's hay everywhere. There's um, like two hundred people here. They're going to watch apparently all seven stab movies, which is, you know, 14 hours, maybe. I mean, it's an hour and a half each, whatever. Uh, we find out like the LOL. entire high school. Yeah, we find out, LOL, that Robert Rodriguez directed the first stab. He always did, apparently, and they just never referenced it before. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was nice to see Heather Graham appear again, you know, like, uh, I just met you and I, I dislike you already. But, <laughs> like, I kept thinking, like, I want to see bits from Stab 5 or... You know, stab two or stab yeah. three, something. Yeah, something else. But I don't think they wanted to spring. <laughs> they already had this footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Gail shows up and puts on a uh, ghost face mask so she can like be incognito. And then she starts doing this really dumb, like I'm happening, like thumbs up dancing thing, which is painful. <laughs> What's up, youths? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like planting uh, little like webcams everywhere to, to spy on people. Well, it's funny to hear Stab at like this Rocky Horror quote along or whatever, considering I felt like the, the great joke in Stab 2 was or uh, Scream 2 was that Stab was like a terrible movie. Mm. Um, I still laugh at the uh, the dude in the audience at the beginning of Scream 2. Kill, kill, kill. <laughs> yeah, these two uh, young douchebags, uh, Rory Culkin and the other guy, like introduced this massive party they're throwing like i don't know this doesn't happen in high school i don't know these these guys are like a little too popular to be the film nerds yeah yeah you think they would accidentally be getting girls or whatever um Mm -hmm. i mean harmonica style is still okay right so yeah then uh gail goes outside she's planted a bunch of webcams and she's like in her car has her computer there showing her all these different angles. Surprisingly well lit, depending considering they're just like shitty webcams and like this dark place, but sure. Um, and then one by one, we see like this like shroud is like falling over her cameras as she watches on the computer. Somebody's covering them up, which is kind of creepy. Or or turning them away or like putting hay over them, mm-hmm. like making it obvious that like I am I am fucking with your cameras. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then the last one, like the literally, like the killer, like turns around the camera to show Ghostface, you know, and Gail is just or, like, huh? Or does she find the motion controls and turn it herself? Um, yeah, I guess it's hard to say. She, yeah, she, maybe she's turning it herself. She has this little thing in her hands. Well, because she's kind of like she can tell something's about to happen, so she turns it, and then boom, there's the killer. Yeah. Um, 
which you know is still kind of kind of a shade of the original you know mm-hmm. with the cameras from outside everything well it seems like she should be like because she calls dewey because she's concerned but then she's just like oh i'm just gonna go and fix my cameras mm-hmm. like why not i don't know why not wait for the cops or something yeah she's like well the killer's definitely in there i, I should go check out my cameras yeah um uh, she does run inside there's a funny moment where i i don't know i laughed at it where the killer has his own camera set up, which are better than Gail's. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, there's. Sorry, go ahead. I was like, it's like one point we see that his kill, his camera is like filming her camera, which is so like surveillance state. <laughs> there's the bit where Kirby here is like got her red cup and she walks past the two film dorks and she's just like, very nice, Charlie, because uh, that's the one dude's name. And it's just like, oh, 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 I think that was I think that was a compliment. Sounds like she's into you. And it's like, why are you doing this movie? Like, you're so half-heartedly like pursuing this romance that no one cares about. He's too aloof for us to buy him as like the unrequited lovelorn door. Yeah, like who's like, lovable door? Whose side are we rooting for here? He he's not awkward enough, you know. Like he's too much of a cool guy, and she's too much of a cool girl. Like, there's no real interest in this relationship. I mean, he was a boy, she was a girl. I can't make it any more obvious. Um, and then it's ruined by a chase between hay bales. Yeah. Dewey is on his way, but then Gil goes inside. Dewey, there's like a bit where she's holding one of her cameras, like kind of like down at her side, and it's pointing behind her. And so Dewey has found her car outside and is looking at the laptop and can see that the killer is sneaking up behind her which is a diminishing returns. I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, she gets attacked and stabbed, but only in the shoulder and the killer really could have killed her there. So I can assume that the killer meant to just stab her in the shoulder. Also, Dewey can't shoot for shit. Yeah, no, he's a terrible aim. Oh, I, mean, I think like we forgot to bull- mention Sid gets a phone call earlier uh, during those first attacks where the killer lays out there agenda which is to kill everybody else first to make sydney suffer which is i guess how you that's how you explain that like why does the killer just go after sid it works i think that that works as motivation right but the killer's also like wah wah you fucked over this town by mm-hmm. existing bitch. yeah i mean that, that that's kind of dumb and all but at least there's a little bit of a, a lampshade for why the killer is running around killing everybody else and not sydney yeah and why they might have just like injured gail there instead of killed her Right. Take that, Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna harm the wife of your good friend. <laughs> and they're kind of friends. It does seem a little weird that Sydney and Gail aren't closer at this point. Yeah, you'd think, especially after Scream Two, you would have thought. And then Scream Three too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they they did have a little like movie marathon with fucking Patrick Dempsey. Mm-hmm. It's Sydney's compound and who knows where California. Yeah. After this, we get the, uh, the dumb sidekick cops, uh, Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody here where inside Sydney is like annoyed by the, like the wind chimes. So she goes out there and, uh, meanwhile, Adam Brody notices that like one of the windows is open because obviously like Jill snuck out mm-hmm. and then he, he goes back and he finds Anthony Anderson slumped over in the ceiling reel. But, oh, he's just messing with him. Ha, ha, ha. But then the killer shows up behind Adam Brody and stabs him. And then he stabs Anthony Anderson, like, through the forehead, like, into the brain. So you had a hot take on this? 
Uh, minor hot take. Maybe I'm reading something in this that isn't there, but I feel like it's a little weird that this is the only black guy in the movie and his death is pretty drawn out and it almost feels like the movie's kind of laughing at his injury. Hmm. It's like, oh man, look how fucked up that is. He got stabbed in the brain and he's like, you know, body motion, you know, is slowly failing and he's falling down. And I don't know, it's it's kind of weird. Like of all the deaths in the movie, it kind of reminded me a little of Jurassic World where like the assistant for no reason at all has like a one minute long death scene. Played, Did you ever yeah, see that yeah. movie? Yeah, poor uh, Katie McGrath being yeah. tortured. Yeah, uh, it reminded me a little of that. Where like, why is this one so brutal? He's like swinging at nothing because he's like, I don't know, just is weird. Awesome, Katie McGrath. Yeah, I mean, so it's like the alt right horror movie or horror mm-hmm. killing here for you. Um, yeah, I could see that, um, especially since I feel like they really amended the thing earlier, not about like the only way to survive a horror movie is to be a minority of some kind. It's like just to be gay, just be gay. Well, I mean, this is the fourth movie in the franchise and yet it's less diverse than the previous movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Woodsboro is still a fairly white town. Yeah. But, a movie marathon in a barn. Mm, Come on. I feel like that's a, that's an excuse more than anything else. But anyway, um, the killer calls again to like, turn on the news because like Gail Weathers has been injured, you know. Um, if Sydney figures out that Jill has gone off to the party, President Rosalind shows up and is acting just weird. Like, I don't know if we're yeah. supposed to suspect her here. Like, oh, because she's she's acting like she's on Quaaludes or something. Yeah, so she mixed up her pills again. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, no, the killer's outside. And they like. They do the thing where they open up the door, the front door, and it's like, oh, the killer's there. Close it. Open up the back door. Oh, shit, the killer's there, too, because there's two of them. I mean, if Emma Roberts wasn't a petite psychopath in this movie, I would absolutely say that there's probably been a more than a few nights where, like, she's found her mom, like, passed out on the toilet and mm-hmm. had to help her bed. Yeah. Because um, Mary McDonald seems like a mess in this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, eventually they have to, like, brace the front door to shut it and uh, – Mary McDonald was kind of like sitting down, like pushing against the wall with one leg, you know, like her back up against the door to close it. And then she's like, you know, like, uh oh, she just got stabbed through the door. And she has this really funny look on her face and then spits out blood. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of stabbing through doors in this franchise. Well, this is like through the mail slot, though, right? It's through the mail slot. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> a lot of stabbing through objects, you know, like, aha, surprise stabbing. I mean, this is a, a pretty hardcore, uh, like, knife, if you could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's CGI, so it can do that and a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why doesn't it just start shooting lasers at some point? Marley Shelton shows up and is like, oh, shit, call it in, whatever. But then Sydney just runs away because she's fleeing the scene because she's not going to wait for the cops. All right. She's loose cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, Briefly, we see Gail at the hospital. Like, she's going to be fine, basically. Uh, so the barn thing is over like the after parties at Kirby's house. Um, they're putting on stab seven to relax, um, which, you know, Hey, the movie gave me another excuse to watch Lucy Hale. Well, here's my question. Is it stab six or stab seven? Cause like I've, I assume when you went to see this in the theater, it was advertised as stab six. And then it that was just like, like plot twist. Like it's actually stab seven. 
But don't they say, let's put on Stab 7? Yeah, I know. That's, people, if you, you think people say Stab 7 because they're in the know, like they're Stab Heads or whatever? Well, like if you did that, what would you call it, you know? Oh, so speaking of which, I thought someone was joking when they told me the title of the new Fast and Furious movie. Mm. It is dumb. It's dumber than usual. The admiration that those fucking stupid movies get baffles me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they put on this latest entry in mm-hmm. staff series. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder if they, if a, if in real life this actually happened, what would you call it? Would you call it Stab 6 or Stab 7? You bring up a good point because I assumed that it was Stab 7 and that meaning that there was a Stab 6 and this is all like whatever. But like it probably makes sense that if you bought a ticket at the theater, you're probably buying a ticket for Stab 6 and ha 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 is actually Stab 7. Because wasn't there a thing with speaking of Robert Rodriguez, like his third mariachi movie was supposedly supposed to be the fourth one. And it was like there was a sequel you were never going to – I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it sounds like something that those – that that crew of like Tarantino and Rodriguez would do, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then fucking Trevor shows up at the after party here. Dread Trevor, yeah. And they're like, "Why the fuck are you here, Trevor? We don't like you, Trevor. Go away, Trevor. Trevor, if you want me to take you seriously, maybe your name would be Trevor." Um, Somehow or other, Dewey figures out that he needs to go to this house. I can't remember how, but whatever. That he doesn't show up in time, obviously. No, it's Dewey. The um, the vlogger guy is like drunk. He's like wandering around, like, oh, he put his headset on backwards. It's showing behind him now. It's not going to pay off at all. Sorry. Really, really hammering those tequila shots too. Oh, tequila. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like if this guy had survived the night, he's probably never drinking tequila again. But also, these kids are drinking like they're at least five or six years older than they are. Mm-hmm. And then it's, I just. I don't feel like any of the high school parties I went to, people could handle their booze this well. <laughs> well, then you've got Kirby and Charlie here and their romance where she's basically just like, hey, Charlie, you should make a move, you dipshit. And make she's a like, move, Charlie. Oh, okay. And they're about to kiss. But then, oh, shit, fucking Trevor just showed up again. God damn it, Trevor. Well, there's a lot of like so-and-so, I go. My phone's out in the car. I'll go look. Oh, wait. Now you're back. Where's so-and-so? Oh, she's out in the car. Oh, I'll leave out too. You know, it's like a lot of like, there's always like three people out of the room at any time. A little bit of a French farce situation. Yeah. 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 Um, Whose house is this? Is it Kirby's? This is Kirby's. Okay. Kirby also has a rear window poster. Kirby has like a, it's not exactly, it's downstairs, but it's not a basement. Because it's, it's like a massive house, but she's got a little like rec room situation going on with like all this horror movie shit in it. Yeah. Anyway, eventually, with all this like screwing around with like the vlogging equipment, it's backwards and they point it forwards. And oh, there's the killer. He just stabs this guy. And Adam Sadler's like, wait, 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 I'm gay. And the killer's like, nah, too bad. Stabs him anyway. Is he though? Ha, ha, ha. Is I mean, I, I guess he, you know, he could be. I feel like it. it He's, there's nothing to as suggest as, it beforehand. I mean, like, sure, you know, it's fine. I and guess all, but. I took it at his last minute Hail Mary. Um, oh, okay. Like he's making it even, up. Even me saying Hail Mary makes it sound even more as offensive as it is. Um, whatever. Fuck this guy. Um, he's dead. Sydney <laughs> shows up. The killer's around. 
Jill has to hide under a bed as well, Sydney like goes out on the the roof to lead the killer away. Here's the annoying thing. So here's Sydney, and there's like several living teenagers mm-hmm. in the house that she's teamed up with. By this point, you just have to presume that the killer is a teenager. It's one of them, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a woman in her 30s and a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> it's just lame. Well, they you get the classic, like, it's one of those houses that, like, you can step out onto the roof from the second story type mm-hmm. deals, you know? I feel like that this is has the potential to be a really cool set piece as she's, like, w- w- going around the, the roof on the second story, like, looking for a way in. But it just, it never gets there. I don't know. Like, maybe maybe Wes Craven is a little past his prime by this point or something because they never really managed to make it as interesting as it could be. This is his last movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, before he died of brain cancer. R.I.P. That sounded really cold the way you said it. <laughs> anyway. Like, is that part of your review? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sid falls off the roof and then she comes back inside because she's fine and she meets up with Kirby and like her and Kirby go down to like this little rec room-ish area and then the uh the Charlie fucking Rory Culkin shows up outside he's like got blood on his hands and he's just like let me in she's like it's like really Sophie's choice here for Kirby she's just like crying like oh I'm sorry I don't trust you I can't let you in and then the killer shows up and attacks the guy and then like weirdly cuts away as a killer just kind of like pulls this guy off screen. Well, it was, it was like, it made no sense much like Stephen Orff being tied up and cut and all that stuff. in the yeah. first, one. it's like, did you not see something happen? <laughs> Do the lights go off and they come back on and he's tied up? Well, and then, yeah, we get the similar scene, you know, set up where the, this guy's now the killer set him up in a chair. Sydney runs off to, I don't know, look for jail or something as, well, uh, but to your point, the fact that she has this moment with Kirby mm-hmm. would lead you to believe that Kirby is the the other final girl, the millennial final girl. Yeah, it's almost like maybe they're trying to be too cute with like establishing who the the final girl is or something by like throwing well, you off with the the I, niece as well. I feel like at this point, though, as far as stardom and careers, this was like TV's Hayden Panettiere, and also. Uh, Emma Roberts, who yeah. hasn't really done anything yet. Mm-hmm. I think she was Nancy Drew at this point. That was mm-hmm. it. So she, it's, it's time for the old horror movie trivia, you know, kind of like call back to the first scream of Drew Barrymore. The question he asks, like he doesn't even finish his question. And she just starts rattling off a bunch of names of horror movie remakes. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, she just like spits out like 25 names of like every horror movie remake ever. And then there's like silence and she's just like, oh, I won. I answered the killer's trivia question. That means he's not going to attack me. So I'll just go outside and free this guy. It's kind of dumb. Oh, because Ghostface has always proved to be a stern but fair negotiator. He, he plays by the rules. Yeah. yeah. Deals. That's all he wants to do is make deals. Mm-hmm. He, he's a man of his word. Mm-hmm. You, you answer that question correctly. He's definitely going to let you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not going to go down to Georgia and challenge you to a fiddle playing concert. Um. Yeah, so well, so Kirby runs out and takes the uh, restraints off of this dude in the chair, and then it's just like, and then he stabs her, and he's just like, "Oh, four fucking years, and now only now you show it, you know, that you're attracted to me. Gotta gotta kill you now because of that." Never trust a Culkin. No, never, never. I, I guess we're 
like we don't you know quote unquote see her die she just gets stabbed in the gut so it was like maybe she still makes it to the end of the movie like uh, apparently like that was a a potential scream five possibility was it like she lives just kirby kirby and sydney just fucking kirby yeah um yeah and then you get kirby lives sid's attacked by this charlie dude and then she like, kind of like gets away from him. And then, oh, shit, another ghost face appeals her out of nowhere and like stabs her in the gut. And it's it's Jill. S- surprise. Jill's a killer, too. So I remember there was an interview of Aaron Kruger about Scream 3 when he got the treatment from uh, Kevin Williamson that he threw mm-hmm. out, which featured going back to Woodsboro, which basically the, the bones of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a scene that he talked about in the interview. So I'm sure they couldn't use it in this movie, which was to involve Sydney comes to a house, finds all these dead bodies, like like a cinema club or whatever mm-hmm. type thing. And she's like, oh, no, they're all dead. And then they all slowly rise up. And she realizes it's like a group of people, like awesome. more than two. Yeah, it was a great idea. It sounded really interesting. And the sad thing is Aaron Kruger in this interview, while shitting on the idea, still made it sound better <laughs> than anything in Scream 3. <laughs> Why the fuck would they bring that asshole back to rewrite Scream 4? Well, did They're you like, re- hey, let's get the guy who made the shittiest of the three Scream movies. Yeah, let's let's bring him in to do some rewrites. Well, I was just reading that on Wikipedia and I saw that. But I like, did you happen to read anything about what he actually rewrote? I'm just curious. No, I mean, I guess there's some dispute. Like Kevin Williamson was not happy with the Weinsteins because like they were dicking him around and like brought in the, the dude to do the rewrites. It seems like from his perspective, he says that like they were extensive. And then from the like the official perspective of uh, like the Weinsteins and like Wes Craven, it was like, oh, it wasn't that big of a change. So, you know, who knows? Obviously, from the WGA's perspective, it's a Kevin Williamson script. Yeah. Um, so what is was he like, is he still doing Vampire Diaries? Or is he like fired off that show? I had no idea. Okay. He's probably still doing it then. That was a while back. So, yeah. Well, the weird thing about this movie, they announced this movie in the middle of 2008. It didn't even go in front of cameras until like mid-2010. Right. Yeah. And then they like they missed their deadline because of the rewrites and couldn't get the movie out in time for like that year. So it got bu- bumped into the next year. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Good job, wine scenes. Yeah. I'm sure all those rewrites really helped you to that, you know, $38 million domestic box office. Well, they had, to, they had to resurrect Dimension Films for this too, right? Uh, who knows? <laughs> well, it's, it's a Dimension Films movie at the beginning. Yeah, um, yeah I know it is. I have no idea what the status of Dimension Films was. Like Spielberg bringing back Amblin just for Super 8. Um, yeah, so what's her name? They, Emma Roberts is the killer, other killer. They bring out fucking Trevor, who's, you know, like he cheated on her. So now he has to die and take the fall for everything. Yeah, uh, she shoots his dick off, and then she shoots him in the head. And she stabs she shoots him in the dick because I am not the girl you cheat on. She says, "Yeah, everybody got that." Uh, she stabs everything. Sorry. Stabs Sydney. Oh, before she does, she kills off uh, what's his face. They their big killer monologue is that they're going to blame it all on Trevor, and they've like kind of made all these uh, calls from his phone to set him up. Oh, you know, one thing we never mentioned that there's a whole idea that like this killer's filming his killings and he's going to release his own cut on the Internet. And that, right. and so they're they're going to do that. And that's going to make them even more famous for being the new survivors. Like they want Sydney's fame or something. That's like well, part of their motivation. 
he's like he's like like jacking himself off over like the great footage he got at one point mm-hmm. but it's all shot in a way to still implicate trevor the dread trevor mm-hmm. um that seems like it'd be hard to do yeah well then she immediately just like stabs this guy like it's the time for them to both wound each other and she just like stabs him in the heart and it's just like whoa what happened she's just like yeah sorry yeah i have more personal motivations than you do and now i'm gonna like bitch and moan about oh it's so hard growing up always hearing about you sydney like my life was so hard yeah after sydney's just like whatever yeah after hearing about how the uh the the, the Sydney and Randy will survive. It's mm-hmm. just Sydney. Um, I, I don't remember how she eventually like knocks Sydney out or kills well, she her. Just, like, stabs she stabs her in the gut a few times. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So she thinks she's dead. Then we get the, the little quick little montage of Emma Roberts, like the, the forensic evidence to, to frame Trevor and then like throwing herself in the thing, stabbing herself. Um, as the, and she lays down mimics Sydney perfectly as the cops pull up. I feel um, like I don't know, like the the gunshot wound to the head. Like, could they maybe tell that that guy was on the floor at the time that it happened and not a suicide? Well, wouldn't there also be the uh, what do they call it? The powder burns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they'd be able to tell she she was the one who fired the gun and not the other guy. Well, I um, guess a competent police department would be able to. Yeah, I mean, maybe if they just looked at the situation, it's like, oh, that's obviously what happened. No need to do any forensics. But yeah, the movie of three openings ends with three brunettes in the hospital then. Uh, I did like the uh, positioning the knife against her shoulder and then running into a wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not over yet because, yeah, it's it's then we get uh, the hospital scene. Isn't there? Oh, yeah, there's this bit where it's Jill and she's all bloody and she's on like a hospital stretcher. She's being rolled, I guess, to an ambulance. But like there's press all around her taking photos of her. Mm-hmm. Like that wouldn't happen, right? No, it wouldn't happen. It's too, it's super sadistic too. Well, like they wouldn't be like, oh yes, here you go, press. We're gonna wheel out a uh, a victim who's st- still alive. Get your photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's then, this weird, weird Hunger Games mindset to all this. Yeah. Uh, so she she wakes up in the hospital and Dewey. It's like telling her how what a brave survivor she is. She and immediately makes the rookie mistake of mentioning that she and Gail have matching wounds. Yeah, uh, I just how they're going to write a book together. Yeah, and then, and then uh, he's just like, "Oh, hey, Jill, like she might make it through. Sid's still alive." And Jill's just like, "Fuck." And so Dewey goes to talk to Gail, and like they put together after two seconds, like, no, "Wait no, no, a no, minute." No, no. No, Gail puts it together. Yeah, okay, sure. Gail Dude's puts it together. Dude's a fucking moron. How would she know that we had matching wounds? Yeah. And then we see Gail Jill, be the sheriff. Jill snooping around and eventually finds Sydney's uh, bed that's about to strangle her till all various people show up and get shot or bashed over the head. Like, first of all, Sydney should die after this movie from internal bleeding, shouldn't she? Yeah. Like, they're talking about how it's, like, really touch and go, and she's in ICU. She's getting punched in the stomach. Like, those wounds are reopening. Popping every stitch, yeah. Dewey should probably have brain damage from getting beat over the head with a bedpan until he's knocked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I seriously Um, thought she was just going to kill him at this point. Like, just, like, crush his skull. Yeah, Deputy Judy takes a bullet to the bulletproof vest and torso, uh, I think. Does Gail get shot again? I don't remember. Well, like um, up until this moment, I was like, "Why is Marley Shelton in this movie?" And then, like, she seemingly just gets killed, and it was like, 
that would be such a dumb way for her character to end. Like, I'm glad they had her survive just because it would be insulting otherwise. You know, <laughs> Like, do nothing oh. the whole movie and then just randomly get shot at the end. Also, LOL that only the class of 96 survives this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... That's because its priorities are weird. Yeah. Yeah, so at some point, while Jill was possessed with the attention of Gail and Deputy Judy... She doesn't hear Sydney firing up the uh, the paddles. Sydney's like slowly crawling to the defibrillator and like yeah, charging the paddles and getting ready. And and Gail has to like distract her the whole time until Sydney. It does the movie thing where only when you're looking at the defibrillator do you hear its sound effects. And mm-hmm. then when you cut back to Jill, who's mere feet away, you don't hear it at all. Gail like, these has things to are be quiet. like, can I can I just have one final last word? Clear. <sighs> That's dumb. Yeah. So yeah, she gets her brain electrocuted. No, she did not quite. She's gonna have the one last scare. Well, or she gets shot again. Only in the chest. I thought was interesting. Not in the head. Maybe yeah. that's because she's a teenager and a woman, and they thought that would be a little weird. I don't know. Because this movie has no heart. Yeah. Um, you get the the line: "The first rule remakes don't fuck with the original." There's all like the it ends with this like kind of outro of media like praising Jill. Like the new hero of Woodsboro, mm-hmm. like over and over again, and it's like that's how we leave. It's like ooh, commentary on the media or or something. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, Mets Scream Four. I don't know. I like parts of this movie. It's just, it was just weird. Like it didn't know who who it was a movie for. The kids or the adults. I still maintain miles ahead of uh, Scream Three. Sure. I, well, I, I feel oh. like anything that's wrong with this movie, I'm going to go ahead and blame on Aaron Kruger. Like I feel, yeah. I think that's fair, right? Not that I would say that I I have a lot of faith in Kevin Williamson anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there was a period in my life where I was a Kevin Williamson apologist. Um, I I've, think that probably I've, ended with Cursed. It probably ended well before that. It probably ended. Or that period Mrs. probably Tingle. that probably period probably did not survive Dawson's Creek season one. Uh, no, I think it probably it went into season two. Well, maybe the first episode of season two. Yeah. Didn't they get like uh, uh, like the Friends season two haircuts or whatever? Like they got like their haircuts because it was like the next day. Dawson Street did that thing where well, like Pacey had to get his tips frosted. Oh, tips. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he frosted his tips. To do those two movies over the summer break? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. How great is Joshua Jackson in uh, Cruel Intentions? <laughs> oh, was that the movie he got them frosted for, or was it that Urban Legend? It's both. Okay. I think he just managed to squeeze in that brief role in Cruel mm-hmm. Intentions, which is somehow better. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that was Scream 4. Uh, if you could make one change in this movie, what would it be? Um, I don't know. Things with with like you, you point out, who is the star? Like the Jill character... I don't know who this character is before she suddenly turns out to be evil. Um, she's not even quite apple pie boring. Her whole drama is just Trevor. Why won't Trevor leave her alone? Yeah. Which sounds like such a fucking Trevor thing, but still. Classic Trevor. Classic Trevor. I mean, I liked a lot of the stuff with the original cast, um, except for Gail and Dewey. They were just yeah. incredibly this time <laughs> they're also separated during the filming of this 
<laughs> which was only it makes it weirder. Yeah, was yeah. It during the filming or after? It was during. Oh, good times. Um. Yeah, I don't know. What about you? Um, Jill gets away with it. Like, I feel like they they should have had the balls to really go there and be like, yeah, we're going to let the killer win this time. Have her somehow, like, have, have a way to, like, maybe kill off Dewey and Gale, too, or, or at least Sydney, and and be like, yeah, nobody nobody figured it out, and she's the hero, and then you could do, like, I don't know, a movie from the killer's perspective or something. Would you do, like, uh, like Scream 5? It's a year or two later, and then suddenly it becomes like a, kind of a pseudo. I know what you did last summer, where somebody knows, like somebody has proof that she is the real killer. You could do it both ways, yeah. Where it's like that, and she's like you know stalking new people, or you know whatever you want. But yeah, there's interesting new ways you could go if she gets away with it. But instead, there it almost feels tacked on. They're like, no, we can't actually end the movie that way. I would. I, I kind of like the idea. I like the idea that. That's where I thought they were going with it when I saw the movie. I'm like, oh, they're actually gonna like, like go there and like be brave and kill off Sydney. No, I like the idea that you have a scream five. You have the traditional scream opening. You have whatever Jill situation is that she's finding out, and then somebody contacts her, implying that they know. Mm-hmm. And so she does. Like she's she's not stupid, so she kind of figures out who she thinks is fucking with her, who's doing the new killings and trying to take her limelight away. So she like goes screamish and or ghost face on on mm-hmm. them and kills them and then and she gets a out, phone call yeah well yeah it turns out they're not actually the person mm-hmm. at all and so it's like what if it was scream but like your sydney was also a psychopath there's a lot of interesting things you could do and they did none of it yeah yeah all right well let's do our power rankings here um number 10 i have the infamous trevor fucking trevor I have nothing to back that up for. Fuck Trevor. Okay. Uh, number 10, I have Charlie, a.k.a. Rory Culkin. I just mm. thought he sucked. You know what I realize? I don't have him on here at all. Mm-hmm. No, I do. I'm sorry. I do. Okay. Number nine is the two film nerds. I just <laughs> didn't name them. <laughs> okay. Um, vlogger guy. Yeah, vlogger guy. Uh, number nine, I have Kirby. Hmm. Uh, just because I, I feel like her character just didn't work and she annoyed me. Like mm. maybe a, a rewrite could have fixed that, or maybe the rewrite is what fucked that up. But yeah, she just didn't. She didn't feel like a real person to me through the entire movie. That's a good question. Who who is to blame? Mm-hmm. Is Kevin Williamson to blame or Aaron Kruger? I, like I said, I think you can always blame Aaron Kruger. I mean, that dude's doing fucking Transformers movies now. Fuck him. Well, especially since Aaron Kruger, like apparently the the big flaw in his writing process in Scream Three was that he didn't know the characters at all, and so like Wes Craven. Had to <laughs> the come big in flaw in his writing it. process is that he was the writer. Yeah, um, my number eight is deputies Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson. I can't believe we haven't made a joke so far that Adam Brody's character is named Haas. Oh, is it? Yeah, I thought that was like a a joke. Uh, oh, I don't know if his real name is then. <laughs> Uh, number eight, I had Catherine Hardwick. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll put the cops there. Okay. Is this on the fly? Are you doing this randomly? <laughs> I only have. Okay. How many do you actually have? No, I, I have the rest. Okay. Uh, number seven, I have Kirby. Okay. Yeah. What a name, Kirby. 
it's definitely different. It feels like the character is supposed to be much more nerdy or goth than she is because she's Hayden Pantier. Well, I mean, you've already gone on record for disliking the name Jill. Mm-hmm. So I would presume that you like Herbie better. At least I know who they're when they say Jill and, and Gail, like it sounds the same sometimes. Mm. Um, at least Kirby is like that is a, a, a sound that you're going to recognize and be like, ah, yes, they're not saying Gail. Wasn't that a video game character? Wasn't it like a Jigglypuff little video game character? Um, yeah, Kirby. Okay. Uh, what is it? Wait, number six. Number six, I have Deputy Judy. I've, okay. I've always liked Marley Shelton. Oh, wait, um, no, I didn't do seven, did I? Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. At, uh, Adam Sadler, the, the vlogger, is number seven. Mostly just because I like that guy in Continuum, not to do with this movie at all. Okay. Yeah, I had Deputy Judy at, what is it, six? Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, I like Marley Shelton. I don't know if I necessarily like her in this role, but I was like, oh, she's still getting work. Nice. <laughs> Glad she made rent this year. Yeah. I had Jill at number six. Hmm. I just realized I don't have Deputy Judy even on here. Maybe she can be number eight. Um, yeah, Jill at six. Uh, I don't know. That that character should have been better, considering. I I don't know if it was just a matter of them trying to, like, like trick us, you know? Like, we'll, we'll make this character so lightweight and not have a lot of plot that you won't think she's the killer, maybe. I, I think they, like, outfought themselves if that's the case. Like uh, that, you the audience would assign her as like the new Sydney simulacrum. That yeah, you couldn't possibly find her innocent uh, or find her guilty. Um, number five, I have Gail and Dewey, who not the greatest outing for them. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, I don't know how if if he's appointed, I don't know how he's appointed sheriff. If he's elected. Seriously? Well, I don't know. Aren't there like certain requirements to be a sheriff, like physically speaking? I mean, not to knock Dewey and his limp or anything, but. Does he still even really do the limp? No, he doesn't have the limp, I don't think, in this movie. Yeah, I don't recall. I forgot about that. Maybe the repeated stabbings in the old Mm -hmm. nerve damage. They fixed fixed it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Uh, What are we on? Number five? Yeah. I've got Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin at number five. Nice. Holding down the opening there. Nice. Um, I have Allison Brie at number four. Okay. Yeah, she didn't even make my list. Uh, in her place, I have Lucy Hale. Her role is a short one, but I still found a way to enjoy it. Mostly just because I was thinking about Arya the whole time and how Arya would react in these situations. Or... <laughs> How Pictunia <laughs> would be a great controller for Ghostface. Aria, kill your lame classmates. I was already going to do that, Pictunia. God damn. I did love the whole like she gets the phone from the phone call from the killer, and he's just like, "I'm going to cut your insides out," and she's just like, "It's for you," and <laughs> just hands it off to her friend. Then she texts. It's such an Aria move, yeah. And then she texts. That's right. I would love a PLL movie just because I would love. To hear Lucy Hale like scream an f bomb as loud as possible. Yeah, like Although it's I, like ten, 10 years later, they they get all their their text messages to go off at one time, and Arya's just like fuck. I wonder if they would. I mean, you get like one fuck right in a PG thirteen movie. They probably wouldn't want to make an R rated PLL. Oh wow! 
oh wow i'd love to hear what that could be <laughs> i mean i don't know i just it annoys me sometimes that like there are these stupid rating rules for language because like if you were the pll's you would be saying fuck constantly you know but like you can't because the rating Anyway, uh, who, what are we on? Number three? Full, full frontal Toby. <laughs> no, full frontal Ezra. What is the opposite of 3D? <laughs> <laughs> what is like magnifying vision? <laughs> oh, that's not nice. Uh, what's your number three? Uh, Sydney and Jill. Wow, you put them together? I mean, it's like well, Sydney 3, 3A Jill. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the the doubling effect of the one scene, that's the only reason I I thought of them haphazardly together. Ed Gale at number three, um, slight downgrade for her like dumb arguing with Dewey and like chasing high school students for the lead, you know, for mm-hmm. or just like trying to like be friends with them so they tell her stuff. You know? mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel bad because they don't have Veronica Mars or Suki on here at all. Um, my number two is Roger Jackson as the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the dialogue given to the killer is well, it's it's more plentiful, obviously, than the third one. It's a little bit better. Some of it's fun. Some of um, it's he, dumb, though. Uh, at least yeah. in the in the stab movies, like it's just not very original. But isn't that the point of the stab movies? I, yes, kind of. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. It's like it it still detracts from the voice. Some of it's clever. I mean, he'll he'll never have the same relish as he did with the opening mm-hmm. of the first scream when it's like you still don't quite know who this character is just hey we're not done yet you know um but there's a there's there's an intellectual cruelness about him at times i don't know i i i was glad to hear roger jackson back at this that's my number two yeah do it number two Dewey mostly escapes embarrassment. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot to do except look concerned and like drive around and show up too late to places. But mm-hmm. what do you got? Mm. Number two. Can you guess? Lucy Hale. Oh, wait, yeah. no, we're not number one now, right? Yeah, number one, Lucy Hale. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, she, for an opening with six, you know, up and coming prominent actors including two of which are well-known. One of them has an Oscar. Um, I feel like Lucy Hale pops off the screen in a way that even Veronica Mars and Suki Stackhouse don't. Uh-huh. I really do. I mean, it's not just my, my my massive Lucy Hale bias, but I think she's she's fantastic in her super small part. And she has the goofiest look on her face when she gets her throat slit. <laughs> yeah, obviously I have Sydney at number one, um, even though it really feels like she's just showing up to collect a paycheck in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, I don't know. She doesn't seem as, as feisty as she should be, I guess. It's she's just yeah. like, Oh, I wrote this book and I'm moving on in my life now. Like you're hoping for her to be a little more kick-ass after all she's gone through. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, that was scream four. Uh, what are we doing? We're doing Die Hard next week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that will be next on Head Cannon. A little one off. We're just gonna do a Die Hard one for Christmas. I mean, and would you would you ever consider Die Hard of a Vengeance? No. No, let's just do the one. We either do one or we do five, and I'm definitely not doing all five, so it's not that you're not doing all five, it's that we're not doing Jack Courtney, which is fair. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, we will be back for that. I have not watched that movie in a really long time, so I'm interested to Die see. Die Hard? Yeah. Oh yeah, Die Hard. You know, of the of the canon of beloved movies, I don't know what's happened in my life the last I don't know so many years. A lot of those movies that I love, I haven't watched in like ten years. Oh yeah, ten years easy on Die Hard. It's been a long time. Oh, ten years is probably it's probably longer than that mm-hmm. on Die Hard. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Well, until then. <laughs>